Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. With Renault, official car partner of the GAA, taking the passion of a nation to a whole new gear. We may not be able to get in on the sporting action like we used to, but we can get in on some exclusive offers from Renault. To celebrate their third year as official car partner of the GAA, Renault is offering a range of special offers exclusive to all GAA club members. So now you can take home the win right to your door. Check out renault.ie forward slash GAA to find out more. Just remember that, man. There's a small bit of a needle there. Come on. We've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen between them, and now they're really roaring. And I can tell you, tell you, there won't be a cold milk and declare for at least a week. Hello, everyone. You're very welcome to the Renault Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show. My name is Paul Rouse, and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer, Oisín McConville, and by the Tipperary and Sydney Swans footballer, Colin O'Reardon. Colin, the basic question, where are you? Uh, yeah, good good question to start off. Um, we actually got relocated to Melbourne uh, two weeks ago now to the day. So we were in Sydney and there was a small outbreak there. So um, we only got three hours notice um, and we were told to, to get, get to the airport within the, within the hour. Um, and we're jumping on a flight to go to Melbourne for the foreseeable future. So we're not sure how long we're going to be here for, but um, we're here at the minute. So just in, uh, in, in Melbourne City. And are you living out of a hotel room at the moment? Yeah, so I'm in the hotel room here now, um, downstairs. We obviously have the team room and, and physio room and stuff like that, but you're basically living out of a suitcase here for, for I don't know how long. We, I can't see us getting back to Sydney anytime soon, so it'll be for probably six, seven weeks anyway. But you have your own room at least, you're not sharing? No, you're not sharing. That's one that one of the perks, all right. You get your own room, and you have a bit of space, so it's uh, yeah, it's nice. Like it, at the same time, it's a it's a hotel room, so you're you're kind of a bit confined. I want to take you from the hotel room that you're in and put you back in Parky Cueve before last year's monster final against Cork. The national anthem is playing. What are you thinking? Oh, I suppose I was probably just nervous at the time, and. Um, I knew, obviously, I knew myself, and, and the lads knew that um, I'd be starting during the week. But probably for me, I knew that obviously being named on the bench and then knowing myself, I'm going to start, but not not everyone else knew I was going to start. Probably felt like, you know, there was a small bit of pressure on myself, which I didn't mind. But it was the fact that I didn't I didn't want to be kind of the laughing stock, or um, you know, people to be saying, or probably have the perception that he's back for the holiday and, and he just jumped straight into the team. So I knew I had something to prove there. Um, so that's all I was thinking for the whole for the whole week building up to it. And, and especially during the anthem, I just wanted to get the ball thrown up and, and get moving and get going. Um, that was probably the front of mind for the whole week. But um, there wasn't anything. Obviously, a bit of nerves coming back into the team. But at the same time, wasn't wasn't overawed or anything like that. When When did you come home? Last year, um, geez, it would have been we finished in August, and I think it was or September that we finished. And I wasn't, I was home probably middle of September, October, yeah, oh, the end of September. Sorry, and I had to be home for three months, so yeah, I was back in January here, so October, November, December, I was home, yeah. 
And did you play any club football before you rejoined the Tipperary panel? No, I didn't. I didn't know anything. I was Dave texted me and just said, "Will you come in and do a few trainings and see what it's like? See how we see how you go." And I just wanted to get in and just have a kick with the lads. Like I, I wasn't even thinking too serious about anything. It was just a case of get in there and, and kind of enjoy yourself. And I just went in, had a look around, and just got got chatting to the lads again. And it's probably when you go back, you realise the chemistry, the chemistry you have with all the lads from from back in the day. And that was like it hits you straight away, you know, that kind of way, and you feel part of it again straight away. Which which for me was was all they ever wanted to be, you know. And. You were. What were you doing the day of the semi-final? Like a monster semi-final against Limerick. Against the one we played against Limerick. Yeah. Um, I was in the stand with Charlie McKeever. Oh, we weren't. I'd like to say I was doing more than I was, but it was just whatever we saw. We kind of relayed it down to the bench if we could at all, and and that was it. It was more just an extra eye in the stand, um, and maybe a different perspective of what was happening. And I think that's all. That's all I was at, really. You know, I wasn't, geez, I wasn't, wasn't changing the world or changing the game in any way. It was just a case of if we saw something, you know, let them know and 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 they'll see what they think. And it was just another another brain, really, that you can you, you had in the stand. And and you you had been back in training for three weeks at that stage. Is that right? there was no prospect of you playing that day? No, there wasn't. There wasn't any prospect playing against Limerick. It was. You know, at the end of the day, I think you had to realise you're you're contracted here, and and you know the risk the risk was it was just too much. Like it was, I'm not saying the risk it got less once you got to a monster final, but at the same time, you know you kind of have to weigh up these things at the time. And um, I suppose once once we played Limerick, it was kind of for once you're playing Limerick, it was kind of a case like we we knew we had a right chance of getting to a final in that, but. I probably at the time I probably wasn't ready either, if I'm being honest. Um, you know, I'd only I was only probably in there two or three weeks before that, and it was just I was looking around for most of it. I wasn't even I was engaged a little bit, but same time I was just in kind of enjoying myself more than anything. And um, I'd no I'd no aspiration to to play, or obviously I wanted to play, but I'd no inkling that I would I would be able. And how did you manage to convince the professional outfit that is Sydney Swans to allow you to play an amateur match? back in Ireland in the middle of December or the start of December? Yeah, look, at, I think the biggest thing for me, and I've said it, I've said it numerous times, but it was just them understanding what it meant, what it, what it meant for me to represent tape and what it meant for me and what it meant for people at home to represent where they're from. That's probably the biggest thing. Um, the biggest thing I wanted them to understand for me. And How did you initially do that? It's, how, how did yeah, you init- that? Initially, it started off with, I sent a, We've we've a triple captain here policy, so it's three lads who are captains essentially, joint captaincy as whatever. So I sent all three of them a text and just said I explained like as as articulate with my words as I could that what it meant to play for Tip and and the bloody Sunday, the everything that went along and and you know the the impact the GA has on on lives in in Ireland and I just wanted them to get that understanding. Um, and the second I sent the message off, it sent off a, a fairly decent sized paragraph on what it meant to me and. and and the people at home and my family and stuff like that. And I think once they, once they understood that and um, once they realized the the significance of what it meant for people at home, I think that's when they really started to understand. And um, one that one of the, one of the three lads or captain over here, Joey Kendi, just, he picked up the, picked up the phone in Sydney and gave me a call and just said, look, I'll, I'll go straight to the, to the head coach with this and, and I have your back regardless. So when they, when you're, when the captains of your club are probably telling you they have your back, um, and regardless what 
what anyone says. No one will judge you. If he says no, he says no. But we're not going to judge you any differently for, for wanting to play. And, and that, for me, gave me the probably gave me the drive and, and the ambition just to go ahead and ask ask the hard question to um to the head coach and, and the, the, the general manager over here, which which I did in the exact same way. It wasn't the case of I did anything differently. I literally copy and paste the same message I sent to the lads and just wanted them to understand what it meant for me to play. And, and yeah, it took them a few days. They probably mulled over it a bit, but um, they picked up the phone, gave me a call. And geez, I probably had a, a grin on me from ear to ear when, when I got off the call. And I think that's when that's when everyone or everyone around me knew that um, I got the green light. So it was... How long before the match was that? Um, geez, it was only a week, I suppose. It probably when I rang around Sunday, Sunday night, maybe Monday morning, it could have been. Um, what was it now? Could have been two weeks, sorry, two weeks maybe. I rang Sunday night, and then two weeks later, we played the Monster Finals. So, um, they got back to me Wednesday morning because there was a bit going on over here with the trade period and stuff like that, players' movement. So, I probably got them at the worst time. Um, and I was expecting, I was expecting the head to be up in the chopping block when uh, the trade period was happening as a result of the message. But when they rang me back and said, um, uh, "Now we're we're happy enough for you to do it as long as as long as we're," the, the biggest thing for them was they want didn't want to be covered for if something happened to me. So you just had yeah. to sign a waiver. But again, I was I was happy enough to sign that. And um, once once that was out of the way, it was a case of let's get the ball rolling here. But you're putting your livelihood on the line by doing that. Yeah, I suppose you are, but at the same time, you don't really think about it because at the end of the day, I grew up playing with all these lads and, and I just wanted to go out and, and play with them again. Like, And I know you can you can talk about a lot of things in life, but I suppose you, at the end of the day, you do things that make you happy and, and that's the only reason you play you played sport initially. Like growing up, all I ever wanted to do was play with lads and, and have a bit of crack and have a bit of fun. And that's, that's the joy of GEA for me and the joy of sport and you know, obviously you play professional over here and you get paid for it and it's fantastic. But at the same time, it's the love for the game and it's the love for sport and love for, you know, being have the ability to go out and express yourself that I don't think you get with anything else. And for me, my release is sport. And um, that's all I was thinking about. You know, it was just, yeah, put simply, that's that's all I was thinking, really. And you said you were nervous before the game and you, you talk about playing sport for the love of sport. Did you enjoy that Munster final? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very good question to be honest like I did enjoy it but at the same time I was I was nervous like I was you wanted the final whistle in a way as well did you yeah oh Jesus of course I wanted the final whistle when that high, last high ball came in Jesus I wanted to drive my fist through the 60 yards up the pitch but um no it was it was and at the same time I do love it and I enjoyed every minute of it but I guess you're probably right looking back I enjoy it now but at the time you're probably in the moment and um, every ball is every ball, every contest is as if it's the last one, and, and that's the way you have to look at it. So I'm not sure. For me personally, do I enjoy every any game I play because I just want to go out and get it done and, and perform to the best of my ability. And, and people might say that's probably not the best way to do it. You got to enjoy every ball. But I think if I start to enjoy every ball, I, I lose a bit of my edge. And for me, it's it's just always a case of being on edge. And um, so the enjoyment factor for me probably comes from maybe taking a high a high kick out or at home anyway, or here crashing into a hard contest. That's probably my enjoyment. And I get that from being on edge. So the enjoyment factor is probably different for everyone, but that's, that's how I get mine. How many layers of pressure were on you, Colin? Uh, that day? Like when you think about 
the emotional roller coaster of uh, of even just getting to play first and foremost, but then also probably you know you've already mentioned in the back of your head you're taking somebody else's spot who's been there all year and that adds another layer of pressure. And, uh, are you thinking about all that before you go out in the pitch? Oh, I, I I try not to, but then again, Ocean, like you know yourself, you can't you can't probably deviate away from it. I probably. I'm lucky enough. Um, my family and, and my partner are very supportive, and and they probably distract you in terms of they don't allow you to think about them things. And um, for me, that was probably lingered in the back of my head about the biggest one was taking someone's spot that played there all year, and and I wanted to make it clear that that's it wasn't my intention to come over on a holiday. And I think I've said it again that um, I wanted to come in and actually make an impact. And I think when the team, if the team, and I hope they did realize that you can add something to the team. And then I guess that's all I wanted to do. And I think that lifted the pressure then as well, because you know that they value you and what you're, and what you're capable of doing. And, um, but there was a certain element of like, you know, I was going in there. I remember the night before and, um, I probably have a little routine of going up to the, going up to the church, just to light a candle before every game. And it's something simple, but it's something I do. And I hadn't done it in years and years since I've been over here. And, um, it's probably it's just something I do when I play GEA at home, and you know even that that was just like Christ, this is actually happening again. Like I'm I'm going up here again, I'm lighting the candle, and it sounds so so relevant to so many people, but it's them little triggers that probably make you realise that you know there is a game on here, and and they're probably the only pressure I probably put was the ones that the only pressure I probably put on myself was the one I you know the one I put on myself, sorry, and and that's for me was um, something I'm able to deal with and something I've probably pride myself on that you know I don't really I don't really get fussed with outside noises it's the, it's the inside ones and the pressure I put on myself that um sometimes are are my downfall but at the same time that's my driver as well I used to I used to visit a couple of graves before I used to go to every every game and obviously that was possible for me because you know it wasn't uh, a million miles away from where, from where they are so we can understand that uh, the other thing you know the outpouring of emotion after is that just a is that just a pressure valve just going you know you know i've i've <laughs> i've succeeded what i wanted to succeed is succeeding and and all that pressure's gone now oh i yeah it definitely was i'm not i don't know if it was, it was a pressure valve or it was more just an absolute outpour of emotion like it was um i look back and then you know i've never i've rarely i rarely cry over over anything to be honest with you like i'm not i wouldn't consider myself a very emotional person and it was just that i just i don't know what came over me there for 20 minutes after the game if i if i looked at anyone wearing it wearing a tip jersey or a tip top i'd just start crying at them and you know i i don't know i don't know what it was it's just a, it was just an, an incredible feeling and it was something i i've always said it, if i could bottle that feeling and um go back and pull it out whenever Whenever at, at any stage of my life, um, geez, it'd be, it'd be my one wish because I conquer anything in the world. Um, that feeling and just dropping to my knees at the end of the final whistle and realizing that you know what, we've actually done it, and um, it's just an incredible feeling and one that geez, I wish I can emulate again because I tell you what, it would you conquer some you conquer the world if you could do that. It was the most unbelievable day of GA that I have experienced. I don't know if it was because of COVID or what, but. We went from watching the scenes, obviously with Joshals to you know to um, to Armagh, Mickey Graham couldn't finish his interview. You know you had you know the the, the Cavan, yeah, Tomas and, and Raymond Galligan. You know and 
I think it, 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 this sounds absolute. This may sound ridiculous, but you know, even seeing guys like Hughes cry, just I think you know, at, at a time when a lot of people were very down on what was happening within the GA, I think that was a, that was a, a day that we, we should all mark in the calendar and say a lot of people's faith was restored in, in Gaelic football, like you know, and also. No harm for the big boys to cry sometimes because it it, uh, it encourages others, you know. Yeah, and I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Like, obviously, you don't want to show any weakness or anything like that. But the amount of the amount of grown men that have came up to me afterwards and seen it, and I've got messages and and heaps of them just saying, just and some of them afterwards were just simple thanks, and that's all it was. Like, thank you and. I cried in the corner like a little baby and, and you're looking at these lads like you're you're 50, 60 year old grown men and you know they have the image that you know you're not you're never meant to cry, you're never meant to show weakness. And one lad in particular, he's a fifty year old man and honestly he'd break break stone with his with his hands and he just told me he went to the corner and cried like a baby for about five minutes after we won. And I was hearing stories like that, it just you know, it makes it makes everything worthwhile and it's just that like I said, that outpouring of emotion that you know, people, you just can't, you can't control that. And it's, it's a special thing about the GEA. It's, it's what it brings in people and what it brings out in people that just make it such a special, special organisation and um, the real fabric of, of everything we believe in. Sorry, Paul, I know I'm hogging a bit. Just one more, uh, one more, Colin. Colin, the one about uh, the way you started that game, I think a lot of people had a fair idea that, you know, there was something different was going to happen. Uh, you just... You just went for the jugular straight away. I mean, the, the, he was so direct for the first 15, 20 minutes, definitely till the water break. I mean, was that the... Were you trying to find something out about Cork or was there something he's new about Cork or or you trying to see had they had they a medal after all or what was the story? Oh, I think I think it was just a case of don't wait for the game to come to you. Um, you know, we a lot of teams wait and... Oh, it's us allowed for the first 20 minutes. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think you have to take the game on and, and take it to the people, especially when you're the underdogs. You can't wait for to see what will happen because you, you might get the chance. And, and that was probably our mindset. Just take the game on from from doc, from the dot. And, and, you know, don't don't wait for see what they have or see what their boys can do. It was a case of let's go at them and, and let's test their metal for a while. So I suppose it was probably on your point of, of testing them out. It was test them early and just see what they're made of. And... Um, well, I can't say it was any any tactical thing or any strategy we had, but it was just a case of just go out, lads, and just take it on from the go. And I suppose if you wait for someone to wait to see what the team has, you'd probably miss your opportunity. So we wanted to make sure we didn't do that. I, I, I think one of the, well, it's not one of the favourite, it's my favourite interview of all time after a sports event is Damien Lawler's interview with you after that, after that Munster final. And I know... Damien would have been involved with you when you were playing underage in Tipperary, so there was there was a connection there. But in that interview, you talked with like absolute gratitude uh, about um, the Sydney Swans and what they'd done for you. You, it was it was an incredibly humble interview in the sense that you were making it very clear that this wasn't about you standing up doing an interview. It was about what happened for Tipperary football. But you also there's also the fact that it was Bloody Sunday, the anniversary of Bloody Sunday. And you were wearing a different jersey, and you referenced wearing a jersey in the interview. Did 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 Bloody Sunday matter, or and if it did, in what way did it matter? Oh, I suppose, yeah. Like we did, it's not something we went into the week talking about. It was, I guess, we we wore the jerseys in training just so it wouldn't 
people wouldn't get them on on the on the day of the monster final and think oh different jersey or this, this is new and never seen it before so we wore them for the whole week in in the avb game essentially and that's you know just stuff like that but oh, i can't i i don't think we mentioned it too much but yeah. at the same time it was in the back of everyone's mind that you know what like Michael Hogan and, and all these lads, and I'm not I'm not a martyr or any of that, but like at the same time, these lads are on our jersey now, and and you know there was an element of right, this is an occasion, lads, and 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 think about even thinking about a hundred years ago that the All Ireland semi finalists were the same four people, like it's same four teams. It's just incredible when you think about it. Like you you couldn't write it the script, you couldn't write the script that happened this year. It was just yeah, it was incredible. I suppose to answer your question. In the backwards what kind of way there it was um probably something we didn't really really discuss but i think everyone internally understood what it meant and, and i think you have to have a certain understanding of of the history and um it's probably what drives you along a lot of the way and what makes the ga so good is our history and um, yeah it's probably just a it was probably just a general understanding everyone had what was it like to arrive home after that match as a monster champion yeah uh, it was pretty special it probably didn't sink in i know afterwards i said there it you couldn't believe we won it, but it probably hadn't actually fully sunk in um, until we got back to to, to Ballyporeen and and the crowd that was there. Christ, the uh, COVID safe officers probably weren't weren't around, similar to the scenes in Cavan. But um, at the same time, it was just yeah, it was incredible. Like you're going through the small little village, and and you know, South Tip is people think Tip is just a mad hurling county, but South Tip is incredibly strong, strong football, yeah, strong football, isn't it? It's not it is like this. It is. It's like Hurland, yeah, Hurland is second in South Tip, and I don't think anyone would argue with that. But at the same time, like these lads have been starved for so long, and there's so many people that came before us that, and just to see them there with, with tears in their eyes, like lads have given everything, everything down through the years just to, for that moment, and they wanted that so bad. But the fact that they were just as happy that we had it made, made us feel like that we do this for more than just ourselves. It was for the, for everyone that came before us and and that's you know that was that's really special and that feeling is just as good for for everyone personally as it is for them and can i ask you you, you then had to reset for an all-ireland semi-final how, how did that work yeah it's, it's it's a tricky one again because you're on such a high and obviously you get monday and tuesday off and you're back in wednesday i think you're in wednesday night for obviously a recovery session and, and a few strides or whatever it was and like everyone's still on the high but at the same time you want to park that and and get back on the wagon or i certainly did anyway and, and a lot of other lads did as well but there's going to be that element of you know this we've conquered so much this year but at the same time now we have to focus again and we really tried to put it to the to the back of the heads you know it was a case of right lads we have two or three weeks now let's let's really knuckle down and and see what we can achieve from now on and I think we did. We we probably did park it. We parked it maybe Friday. We came in and we were back on the back on the track or back on the pitch, um, and it was a case of right lads, we're back at it now, and that's it. And there probably wasn't much. There wasn't any talk about the monster final. There was a there was a special bond there, but the, there wasn't any talk. And um, it was a case of get on with it. And obviously on the day against against Mayo, it didn't work out the way we wanted. And um, for for whatever reason it was, that probably fifteen minutes before half time. But at the same time, I don't think it was. Maybe there was an element. Maybe I'm naive, and there was an element of a hangover from the from the monster final. But I think we we came back in and we did everything we could to prepare as well as we could. The the difference between playing for Tipperary and playing for Sydney Swans. You've you've spoken there about doing it 
for more than just ourselves or doing it for more than just yourselves. You've spoken about the love of place and the meaning of the game. It, how difficult is it for you to motivate yourself in a different environment? Is it just easier when it's place or is it is it just is it all internal? Um yeah, it's it's a good question you're asking because you know you come over and you travel across the other side. Like, and I'll be honest with you, as a kid, I grew up and I didn't care if Sydney Swans were in the grand final. I didn't I didn't give a damn. I didn't know anything about them. I, it it just wasn't front of mind. Whereas growing up, all I was watching was the great tip teams growing up and in hurling or football, whatever it was. And um, you're watching these lads and you just want to play. So coming across the world and you're probably whatever you travel 50, 30,000 kilometers or whatever it is. And um, you probably have to delve into the history there as well, which which our club is is incredible at doing. And um, they, they provide every first year player with with a booklet and we have an induction night and stuff like that. And, and it gives you a real grasp of what the club is about and where where our roots are based in the club. And I think that's why we've been so successful over such a such a long period. It's because we we value those things and we value people knowing the history of the place. And and when I came in and I saw that, I said, you know what, this is, this is very similar to home. They share the same values here as, as we do at home. And we're lucky. We're one of the lucky clubs. And I say lucky that we're not in Melbourne because every, probably 95% of, of every player in the AFL comes from Melbourne. Whereas we're in Sydney. So they all have to travel interstate. So everyone lives together. Everyone trains together, plays together, eats together. So you're with each other 24 seven. Um, and that's that's why I say lucky because you get to know each other more so and if something's wrong, like you know the lads inside out and you become great friends, whereas in other clubs and in other parts of Australia where players are probably from that from that area, not everyone buys into it collectively. Um, so that's why that's where I think I can I can get myself up and have the same kind of passion and same energy playing over here as I can at home because the way they go about inducting players in when they play and um, it really is a, a special place to be. And the training, the nature of the preparation for games, how different is it? It is very different, very different. So I'll, I'll give you just a, a quick example. Like on a, we, if we played this week, we played on a Sunday, and um, yesterday was Monday was his full recovery day. We didn't didn't do anything. It was a day off essentially. You go into a Tuesday, and you know you have a few meetings, and well, today is Tuesday, so you have a few meetings and. Um, you do a bit of a bit few weights in the morning, and it's mainly basically recovery as well. We had a small kick around, and a few strides, and and the rest of the week will be will be pretty similar. You know, there's no there's no two hour, three hour sessions. You know, it's all. I guess it's different in terms of the GA because we played 23 weekends in a row, so you just have to get up for the games on the weekends and be fresh. But at the same time, it's all emphasis on recovery. It's um, what you can do during the week. So our our main session will be on Friday this week because we play Sunday again. It'll be two days before, and it probably won't be longer than forty minutes in the session, total session, and and it won't be. It'll be competitive, but it won't be over the top. So lads will always have that edge for the, you know, the edge for the weekend. Whereas back home, certainly before I came out here, and I know it's changed a bit in the last probably six years, um, in terms of training, but lads get like flogged you know week after week and some lads travel two hours down the car and expected to go out and, and do these massive sessions for two hours and i know and i understand it's different because you'd only have that certain limited amount of time with people but at the same time you'd wonder is it more beneficial is the case of less is more at some stages and i think it's trying to get that balance which um which which is easier obviously in professional sport but at the same time i think it, it could be it could be um it could be implemented in, in ga 
What is the balance between skills work and physical training in Australian rules preparation? Um, there certainly is a. It's something that probably you can tip the scales very easily. Um, lads want to do more. There's no doubt about that. We're we're all competitive by nature here and in every sport. And lads want to do more, but you have the sports science guys who, who look after GPS and all that stuff. And you know, if you hit your if you hit your certain allocated amount of running you have to do well, you won't be doing anymore and that's the reality um there's no there's no such thing you can do a few skills but you, you try to incorporate them into, into the session um, we have a thing called technical skills it's something simple and it's less strenuous in the body and it's just literally the fundamentals of of the sport and it's just handballing and kicking which again in the ga i think people can can do more of you know because fundamentals of the game are just ignored and um, at the end of the day, that's that's what you go back to when things aren't going well, or when the game is in dispute. Like, what does everyone go back to? You just go back to the fundamentals. Can I it properly? Can I, can I hand pass it properly? And, um, I think there's a not a massive. Open. I'm sure this team's doing it, but at the same time, I think there's not enough time spent on the fundamentals. Have you been following the fortunes of the Tipperary footballers over the league campaign? I did, I did. I watched it and uh, yeah, a bit disappointing, but I was I was tuned into it all right, yeah. And what is your sense of where things stand before Kerry at the weekend? Tipperary defending Munster champions, going out to play Kerry, who are, um, I suppose, posited by most people as the true contenders to, to Dublin's crown. Yeah, it, again, it's obviously Kerry or Kerry, like, you know what I mean? They'll be... They'll always be there, and they're 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 an incredible team. And this year, especially, I watched the league game against Dublin. They played probably one of the few games it was on a good time over here, and I got to watch it. And you know, they they look very impressive inside in Tartus, and um, yeah, they look very impressive. And and you know, it's going to be a challenge. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, every game every game we go out to is a challenge, and we're probably going to be underdogs for for most of the games. So you just have to you have to grasp that and enjoy it and try and. Try and probably get something out of that. You know what I mean. You can go in as you can go in as favourites to games if you want, but I think the underdog is the underdog tag is something that they probably love, and and I know the lads love it at home. And um, I'm not saying they're going to go out and blow Kerry out of the water, but at the same time, um, a lot can change in in a couple of weeks, as we've seen with a lot of teams throughout the years. So losing to Longford is obviously a a massive kick in the teeth for them when they had aspirations to get out of Division Three. Um, but at the same time, you never know what can happen. A couple of weeks since that game, and and you'd you'd hope to be a response. Is it psychologically more difficult to prepare to beat Kerry than it is to prepare to beat Cork? Yeah, I think our group all up along. We we were just we were it was an unusual group we had from under fifteen because we actually played we actually played Cork sorry in 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 most of our finals that we won. Um, like we beat them in the under twenty one. We beat them in in the minor final in eleven. We beat them twenty one final in in whenever it was. Like we never actually played Kerry too many times, so we knew it's probably a thing with with our group maybe and the group that's in there at the minute that it, more of a case of you know we we know we can beat Cork because we've beaten them all up along. Where we've never played Kerry, so it's always that you know that kind of um, want of a better word, I don't know like the, that ground that you haven't really you haven't played them like that's what I'm trying to say. Um, that's probably the biggest thing when you play the difference when you play Cork and Kerry, you played these lads up along and yeah, just the way Cork always beat Kerry and then we were lucky enough to always to always probably get over Cork. 
this weekend though this weekend is, is it's a challenging one for for tip do you see yourself playing football for tip in the future oh i'd love to think so like it's it's obviously a challenge this weekend but i'd, I'd love to jesus nothing i'd love more than to be to be going back there and, and playing like at the same but at the same time i realize the opportunity i have here and and the chance you have here and and while obviously at the minute i'm probably not where i want to be over here it's a case of I'll put the head down. I'm not going to stop trying to make it over here first, and um, and that's the thing. You know, I'd love to say, yep, I'll I'll definitely play for Tip again. But at the same time, who knows what'll happen in the future? Um, I'd love to think so. Yeah, absolutely. But I'll give this a I'll give this one hell of a crack now for the last eight weeks, and and whatever happens after that, we'll uh, we'll assess then. Okay. Oshin, will Tipperary be Kerry at the weekend? No chance. I just saying, Could you well, clarify think, that? Is that is that? Could you be a bit more clear on hmm. what you mean? Well, I think there's a I think there's a couple of things at play. I think Tipperary look to me like a team playing with very little confidence. As you as Colin said, the aspirations would would have been to get out of Division Three, but to go the other way, um, and that hasn't worked out. Um, winning sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of times can make you soft. And I, I do believe that um, if you consider a team like Tipperary constantly battling against stuff, even within their own county, as far as, you know, uh, priority uh, um, between themselves and the, and the Horlush, um, you look at, uh, you know, last year, you know, the opportunity they had, unable to grasp that opportunity and win a monster title, uh, all the emotion, all that sort of thing. And then to come out this year and and try to kick on, but in actual fact, it's going the opposite way. The confidence very quickly starts to drain away from uh from all, from everything that you've done, all of the things that uh, you're willing to do the year before, you mightn't just be willing to do as much. Um, I think majority of footballers have been there. Um, things change along the way. Your priorities change. And uh, they don't just purely and simply. I don't think they they've walked hard enough this year in any of the games I've seen them. In particular, in the last game where they thought something might happen for them. Uh, if you're looking for a direct line of form, and you see Longford's result at the weekend, that's another worry. And then on top of that, you see what Kerry have done to Tyrone a number of weeks ago, regardless of what they did to Clare. Um, so yeah, so I'll be really worried about uh the numbers game when it comes to to this weekend's game. Like, there's no way to Tipperary. I don't think there's any way in tip, the Tipperary can win the game. But I do think that, that on this occasion they can get something out of it. You know, they can salvage something from their season by um by playing with the sort of uh gusto and pride that they played with last year and walk a little bit harder for each other on that. You know the um, that collective thing where the sum of the parts are, are 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 greater than the individuals, and I think if all those things come out to play, then they can salvage something out of their season. But at this moment in time, it's it's it is a bit of a it is a bit of a car crash. The whole thing. This weekend also sees uh, Cork play Limerick. Who'll win that match? That me? I sure have a go at it. 
Uh, well, I tell you what, I think uh, Limerick have a great opportunity uh, to win this game. A brilliant opportunity to win the game. Uh, Cork will be under all of the pressure as usual going into that game. Um, I think it it at times has looked um, as if uh, Cork are maybe moving in the right direction, um, but there has been too many results where you know it's just too many question marks. I still don't think they don't. I don't think they have the structure to to compete with the big boys. Um, I th- it looks as if they have the physicality, but um, structure, uh, the way they want to play, um, not direct enough. Um, you know, like even the game they played against Clare, or at times they looked as if they could have blown Clare away, and then times where they looked as if they had an, an absolute notion of what was going on, and that's happened too often for me. So. Like I wouldn't have any trust in in Cork whatsoever, and I think it's a brilliant opportunity for Limerick. Brilliant opportunity for Limerick. Colin, oh, I I probably haven't watched enough to, to really to really give my uh, side of it. But again, I I agree with Oshin. Like I've I've seen enough of of Limerick, and and even last year they they should have beaten us in in the Munster semi, and they're they were by far the better team. And yeah, they're they're. They're not a bad team. Um, just and I'm only going off a few few scorelines I saw really, um, and, and what what I saw last year. And they're uh, yeah, they're not they're not too bad. This this thing with Cork, Cork blow hot and cold, even in the space of seventy minutes. Is this much more of a thing for an amateur team than a professional team? Um, I think consistency is probably the biggest thing, and and oh, I don't know, like I, I I don't think so, like because at the same time. Like we we I'll give you an example. Like we played West Coast Eagles during the week and and on Sunday and we beat them on ninety two points. And the week before that they won, you know. So it's kind of like how do you go from winning winning by six or seven goals the week before and suddenly you're after losing here by ninety two points? You know, it's a case of and and you know what they might win next week again. It's just they had an off day and and that's that's it. And I would I'd think consistency is massive. Um, probably more so over here because it's 23 weeks in a row. And if you can probably put a spell of 10 weeks together, you're probably going in a, in a you're in a good place. You know what I mean? You're making the finals. You're, you're having a real crack at it. Whereas at home, you, you just have to be consistency the whole, you have to be consistent the whole time because otherwise you're gone. Um, so yeah, I don't know really to, whatever you think yourself. But. No, I, like I think if, if you take that away from sport, Paul, I think us guys are better, doing drama or music or stuff like that because I do think that last year gave us a sense of that um, I think no matter what sport you're interested in or you're watching um, if it was a correct science I, I don't really think um, you know we'd have the interest or, or the drive for it that we have I think it's the it's the shocks and it's the it's the endless possibilities that keep us going. I think just look at France and the Euros and 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 teams like that. I look how you know Denmark have used like emotion and and like we're we're always told let's take the emotion out of the equation. Oh fuck! If we take the emotion out of the equation, we you know what equation do we have? But I do think I do I do think this though, Paul. I do think this is a very, very important weekend from from a Gaelic football point of view. And I know we, we don't want to go into the structures thing. But the one game that I'm very interested in this week is Derry and Donegal. And the reason for that is because structurally, um, financially, um, and uh, 
coaching wise from underage up. I do believe that Derry are you know have put a real massive couple of years in. They seem to have all the structures in place. They have a manager who they're going to give time to, uh, and they haven't done that for some time. They're going to give some time to, and and I'm interested now is can a team like that with the resources and the coaching and the time, can they close the gap for the likes of Donegal? Because if Donegal come out this weekend and win with 20 plus points, I think we've got a real problem on our hands because if we're looking to change structures, what are we going to do? Put six teams in the championship and leave the rest out in, in the wilderness and in intermediate or junior championship? So uh, I think it's a real important weekend. And I do think that like when I watched the game, the games uh, even last weekend, and I thought, is there a possibility of a shock? Let's just stick to Ulster just for a second in the games that I attended. Um, even though Antrim for a long period, long periods of the game were were competitive, there was an inevitability about what was going to happen. And it, when you're there, and there's an inevitability about what's going to happen, it takes away from the whole occasion. And uh, and I think. Uh, It'd just be interesting to see if, uh, like, I'm not even talking about shocks anymore, but I'm just talking about can a Derry get close to to Donegal, and if they can, then you know that that's the template for everybody else to go. Listen, this is how we, uh, this is how the, there is a possibility of closing the gap. Look at Awfully at the weekend, your own your own crew, right? So uh, look at the conversion rate. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but they, that was a game that realistically they, they could have won had they taken the opportunities that they had. Um, so, like, but I do I do think that at this stage uh, we need some sort of shock or somebody, you know, stepping up to the mark and saying, you know, we might be in Division 3 or we might be heading for Division 2, but we can take on the big boys. And, and until that happens, there's a sort of an inevitability about how every, you know, even even though when I said a couple of weeks ago, this could be the best Ulster Championship we've ever had, uh, the, the the next uh, five games better be good because <laughs> because it hasn't been great so far. When did when did the tackling end in Ulster football? Like why when did it all come so nice? Uh, well, I, I think like last weekend for the first twenty minutes was. Was was shocking because if as soon as you went close to your opponent, the, the referee was blowing the whistle for a free kick, and that's not the that's not that's not also challenging football. Like you know what I mean? Like it's it's just been so diluted. I mean, it's so sanitized. It's it's scary, and I think you know it's almost as if players are playing with their hands tied behind their backs now because the physicality from the games that I've seen has just completely gone out of the game. So Tyrone can't. Do you think? Like do you think sorry, sorry, Paul. To sorry, come across, do you think? Do you think the crowds have a have an impact? Like I've noticed over here playing, obviously playing in front of no crowds. I think it does. Whatever it is, the ref, the umpires, they let it go more when there's when there's crowds because the crowd are roaring, everyone's roaring, everyone's a bit more on edge. I, I'm only looking at over from here, but like you find when there's no crowds, there's more there's more free kicks and there's a correlation. So I don't know. Is there? Is there something to it? it? It definitely isn't hurting. I think I'm, I'm a strong believer in that. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'd just be interested to see or hear what. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree with that, and I think that was the case during the league. And I think um, there was stuff that referees got away with that they wouldn't get away with. It had to be, you know, a, a packed house. But the only thing I would say is there was seventeen hundred people in the Aladdin grounds uh, on Sunday, and 
there was a decent atmosphere there. There was a good old right. buzz, you know, when you walked into the ground at the change. 500 people the day before in Clonus, there wasn't a murmur. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So I, I do think that uh, there was really no excuse for the ref on, on Sunday. Like, I mean, it was it was powder puff stuff, really was. Tyrone will bring something different, though, won't they, to, to the Cavan match? Yeah, but I think, I think you know, when I'm looking at this match, I'm wondering, like, my expectation is that Cavan will bring something that we haven't seen all year. Um, they are not as bad as 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 results would suggest. Um, they still have the nucleus of that team that won an Ulster Championship. They also have Conor Miner back. Don't know how fit he is, but like he would be a a massive plus for them. No, Darren McVeady, He's in Australia, but um, yeah, I I I still think that the Cavan can really put it up to to Jerome. Even though I've tipped Tyrone to win the Ulster Championship, Colin, you played against some of these Tyrone players and the Tyrone management in the Under Twenty One final. What are your What are your memories of that game? Yeah, it was probably a a game I tried to forget. Um, I talk about talk about crying and emotion after a Munster final. Jesus, it was, it was the other end of the scale when you played them in the in the, the All Ireland final Twenty Ones. But yeah, they're a talented bunch, and the, I think that a lot of that team. A lot of that team have gone on to play um, senior footballer. They make up a lot of the backbone of the senior team, and um, there's there's certainly a tough team every time you go out to play at their own. And um, yeah, there will be a nice. Whereas if you look at Mayo Leitrim, when you when you played against Mayo last year, what did you take most from the way Mayo played? It's probably yeah. It was probably something. Something simple as the tackling, like they tackled for, ferocious. And um, I remember I got the ball the first time I touched the ball in the final in the semi final, and it was a case of you're swarmed with, with three lads around you, and, and they're just they're they're good at it. You know, it's organised. It's not just chaotic coming in, and they they're they're well able to tackle. That was probably my big. Their physicality was was a lot a lot more than what court what court brought, and um, I'm not sure if that's because they're bigger men, or I'm sure it was an element of it, but. Um, it just felt like they had a real intent to tackle them, and when they went for the ball or when they when they bottled you up, it was a case of you're not getting out of it. Um, that was my big, biggest, yeah, a brilliant, brilliant, like, brilliant at stripping the ball. Yeah, that's that's probably the biggest thing. And, and looking back, like they they obviously scored an awful lot from turnover against us in the in the semi. And um, looking back, we probably carried into tackle too much against them, and they're they obviously they put an emphasis on it. They have to because otherwise you wouldn't be as good at it as good at it um but yeah that was that was the biggest learning curve for me i i think i think one of the things that i've noticed as well is it's the relentless uh nature of the division one teams in that you know they just they, they keep going like i i looked at fermana uh last week i sort of i sort of felt as if fermana got as much as they could out of out of their individuals for for what 20 25 minutes of the game and you know they they had worked really hard. They kept the ball for two plus minutes. They ended up kicking a score. Rory Began had the ball down. He pinged it seventy five yards to Carl O'Connell. Carl O'Connell kicked it into the forward line, and uh, I think they ended up getting a free that Jack McCarran uh, kicked over the bar. But it's just relentless. It's relentless, and it's the physicality, and it's how much you know the where where you down. And the thing I noticed, not so much the Andromar match, but in particular the, the Fermanagh Monon game, 
was was when these gays walked out and and they started to warm up was the was the physical nature of the modern uh, lads and i'm not talking about height i'm talking about just you know how how big they looked and honestly for man i look like kids compared to them and uh that mightn't tell in the first 20 25 minutes of the game but eventually you know it definitely puts paid to a lot of teams and i think you know that's what i'm talking about when i talk about the relentless nature colin talks about the tackling and the physicality in the tackling you talk about it getting the ball stripped add all those things together you know what i mean it's very difficult to to, to keep with a team like that with you know with 15 players and five lads coming off the bench you know and you look at the even i even one thing i noticed as well about monaghan at the weekend was um just the quality that they had on the bench i mean look at their subs you know all experienced but big physical imposing players like you know who have a presence when they get on the field it seems it seems to me that donny buckley has made a huge impression on monaghan's tackling even since he arrived there just as he's the legacy of what he's done in mayo is uh it, it seems to be there before we his, wa- his warm-ups are absolutely class too class go on talk about them so, well they're just they're just uh some of them are very very sim- simple in the, in their nature um but uh they just look very impressive the look is it you know just looks it looks as if there's meaning meaning to them and colin mentioned about the fact that they you know practice a lot of kicking they practice a lot of hand passing and stuff and uh the modern warm-up incorporates all of those simple little things at, right down to picking the ball off the ground you know not picking the ball off the ground but picking it off with your toe like. um before we go into the uh the weekly calamity that is the predictions round oh my god uh, i want to talk to you about uh dublin what did you think of dublin last weekend um didn't think much of them to be honest uh thought it was it was a very on dublin like performance but I, I don't think that they'll be all that worried about it. I think that the stuff that, that will be worrying Dublin uh, management and players and fans is that a lot of what's going on around the Dublin setup uh, seems even more on Dublin Lake. And Such seems, as? Well, just the Cluxton situation just doesn't. Just does that none of that adds up for me. Like I mean, you've got to, as a manager, you just gotta say, listen, Stephen, are you you know if you, if it me and if he doesn't answer the phone, it means driving around to his house and asking him, like, are you playing or are you not playing? Simple as that. I I, I really think it comes down to that. You know, you think um, that hasn't happened? Well, not not by by the nature of Desi's interview. It it, it certainly hasn't happened. So, uh, but it needs to happen. Because that's the uncertainty is is wouldn't be well it wouldn't be good for anybody, and certainly wouldn't have the two young goalkeepers having. You think? Uh, you know, I think if you're Evan Comerford, you're there thinking you're playing away, and everyone's talking about Stephen Comer- Stephen Cluxton. Meanwhile, you have another game under your belt. Paul, you're you're a very knowledgeable uh, individual. <laughs> you don't mean that. You don't mean I do. that. No, I do. Especially around Dublin football, because you know we all know that really and truly they are your uh, your your favorite <laughs> team. It's absolutely outrageous. It's still true, but the um, this Dublin second keeper, what's his name? He Michael played against he played Shields. against Galway. Michael Shield 
Is that Shield, I think, okay? Um, in my estimation, he's a better keeper than Evan Comfort from what I've seen of him. You should ring Desi. No, but I'm, I, know, I know, but so it's it's not just uh, impacting him, but it's impacting him. Like, this, is he going to be, is Stephen Cluxon going to come back next week? Is he going to be all of a sudden, you know, not part of 26, all that sort of thing? But I also think, and this is the this is the big part of it for me, that um, the, the general uncertainty of somebody, you know, ready to decide while the championship has started. I mean, for all we know, like, there could be other issues around why Stephen Cluxon is not there. But, like, somebody needs to, you know, that needs to be relayed to the to the squad members. And the fact that that hasn't happened, because genuinely when I heard that Stephen Cluxon was undecided or we weren't sure if he's going to be there, I felt as if everybody in the change room knew. It was just that us that didn't know, and that was fine. I don't, I don't see a problem with that. But I think when you're in the situation that you're in with uh, with him at this stage, I, I just don't think that it's. I just don't think it is good, and in particular because they're looking to to try and get a settled team. They're not playing out of their skin, um, and you know the championship is upon them. Like I understand they'll get through Leinster. I I I don't have a problem with that, but you know it's 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 further down the lane, and the further down the lane in a normal year might might buy them two months. But in, in this case it's only gonna bite them three or four weeks, like you know. So um I think there is there's an issue there that needs to be uh that needs to be addressed pretty quickly. Colin, you played against that some of those Dublin players in an All Ireland under twenty one semi final and you played with others of them in, in, in U C D in in football here. What what would you how what did you think made them as good as they are? I suppose, yeah, I've played with Merchant and, and, and the likes of these lads, and, and obviously Owen's an exceptional talent with his speed and that, but I, I just, I only watched again, I watched a small bit this year, but last year going back and watching some vision, and I think going back to the last point, I think they're a different team completely without Cluxton. I think he's, you can talk about Conor Callaghan and, and these lads, and they're exceptional footballers, but to me, and, and looking at it from the outside and from a, from a different angle, I think he just, he pulls all the, pulls all the robs there. He's, he dictates everything, everything from the back and the way even he comes up as a nearly a full back on the opposition kickouts and, and plays that role so well. And, and just different little subtle things he does, but has a massive impact for the team. And I think individually, they're an exceptional, um, exceptional team and, and playing with the lads, they're a great talent, but I think it's even more impressive that collectively what they've done for the last six years, just, you know, individual talents are one thing and, and I'm sure every team is individual talents, but can you bring them talents together and, and make them a team? And, and that's the hardest thing in any sport. And they seem to have done that. And, you know, the lads, like I said, they're, they're exceptional footballers in their own right, but as a team, they just go to another level. Okay. We thank you very much for joining us. We, we run through the, weekend's matches at the end of every show and we do predictions now last weekend were seven matches played and we had Mossy Quinn on and Oshin and Mossy both got six out of seven they they actually predicted uh, Roscommon would beat Galway which is kind of staggering whereas I on the other hand predicted Galway I mean not to blow my own trumpet but that's just that's what that's facts I did you get seven fact. did you get seven out of seven yeah I did I did in fact and I think we'll move on to next weekend um and discuss the matches uh from next weekend I may I think, have I, think you, I think you went for awfully I, I went mean. for awfully against Kildare but I get a pass on that one hard uh, for, heart ruling head 
Heart that's why I always go. For, that's why I always go for Dublin as well. Heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new line of attack. Um, Cork versus Limerick in the Gaelic first game of the weekend. Oshin. Um. What the hell? I've insulted Cork for the last ten years, so I might as well continue. Uh, I'm going to go Limerick to win by three. Oh, interesting. Uh, Colin, I think Cork. I think Cork will be, will be too much for them. Yes, Limerick. Are, Limerick. Are, Limerick are all right, but I think Cork still too much. Uh, that, that's that's exactly what I think. Tipperary v Kerry. Oshin. Kerry by. I'm not even going to say Kerry by a lot. Colin. Uh, I think I'll have to go ahead here and then, uh, yeah, I'll say Kerry. Okay. I'm sorry to put you in that position. Um, <laughs> Tyrone, Tyrone v. Cavan, Oshin. Tyrone, but I do think it'll be a better game than a lot of people a lot of people think. Colin? Yeah, Tyrone. Yeah, same here. Um, Leitrim v. Mayo, Oshin. Mayo. Colin? Yeah, you needn't ask that one. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Um, so on the last game, Derry against Donegal. Oshin. Donegal, too much, too much, just too much ammunition off the bench. Too much ammunition. Derry so well organised, uh, stingy at the back, putting up, racking up good scores up front. And Shane McGuigan to have a superstar, but uh, Donegal just have. Just, just the, even the players they brought off the bench the last day. I mean, Jamie Brennan was on the was on the bench the last day. He off the, off the bench, he was electric. So, it, as much as Derry will stay with them, just just too much off the bench. Only all. Where is that one on? Yeah, it's uh, valuable fair. Oh, yeah, I've got Donegal. That's that's in Donegal, by the way. I'm I'm going to try and uh, I'm going to have a punt with your Limerick. I'm, I'm this is my version of Limerick. I'm going to go with Derry in that one just to cause a shock because Ulster football badly needs a shock. Uh, it's something to give it a jolt to pull it into life. That's it. Thank you to Larry Ryan for running the podcast. To Tony Lean, to Reno, uh, to John Fogarty. To everyone at Examiner Sport for, for making it happen. A huge thanks to Ushin and especially to Colin for, for joining us from, from Melbourne. We'll be back soon. With Renault, passion for what drives you. Official car partner of the GAA. To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at irishexaminer.com forward slash subscribe. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.